You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So our theme is love today. Uh, and the whole earth and all of humanity cries out uh, for, for love, for real love. We're going to spend some time in February talking about just that real love. But today we're going to talk about it as well. This true love that comes to us through the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. Uh, John, in his gospel, tells us that God loved the whole world so much that what did he do? He gave. And it's been said that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And certainly, the greatest example of that is God giving us his son, Jesus. And and our whole Advent theme uh, is called the Great Gift Exchange. And so what do we get to exchange uh, with God uh, so that we can receive his love? Maybe you'd ask the question, what's the opposite of love? And some would say maybe hate. Others would say that hate really isn't the opposite of love, but more indifference or apathy. But, but one of the Apostle John's letters that we find late in the, uh, the New Testament talks about one thing, gives us a better idea of what we can exchange in our brokenness and our sinfulness for the love of God. And John writes this. He writes this. It's all about fear, exchanging our fear for the love of God. John writes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has nothing, uh, has, fear has to do with punishment, but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so this morning, I want to talk about us exchanging a spirit of fear for an embrace of God's love. That's what I want us to focus on this morning, specifically the perfect love of God given to us uh, through Jesus Christ. And I want us to consider how this exchange of fear for love plays out in the lives of two very, very different people. One is an Old Testament king. He is the king of Judah, a guy named Ahaz. And uh, the other person is a young, poor woman uh, that we read about who is central to the story of Jesus' birth that we find in the New Testament. And they are both very real people. I want to encourage you, never read Scripture and seeing the people, the names that we read in Scripture, seeing them as some sort of character, as some sort of prototype. These were real people, okay? Real people that hurt just like you hurt, that feel things just like I feel things and you feel things. These were real people uh, with real stories. And I, I want you to always make sure that you understand that as you read Scripture. Don't just gloss over names as some sort of you know, caricature or prototype. These were real, live people. And, and one of those people that we're going to look at today is, is King Ahaz. He was the king of Judah. And if you remember, as we've gone through this series, looking at uh, the prophecies that Isaiah spoke about the Messiah that was to come, uh, we find that there is a divided kingdom, that the northern kingdom is divided from the southern kingdom, uh, and northern kingdom Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. And and here we find that Ahaz is the king of Judah. And uh, they are under attack. They are under attack by an enemy, uh, that Aram. But the thing that's so sinister and so hurtful is the fact that guess who has joined Aram in coming against Judah? Israel. 
And that stinks. I mean, it's bad enough to sort of know who your enemies are and to, you know, have, you know, have your guard up regarding that. But then when you have someone that was actually part of you go and become an enemy and come against you, that's pretty hurtful. And that, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty unsettling. And that's what we find here with Ahaz and the, the, the kingdom of Judah that's happening. Uh, this, they were basically, Israel united with uh, Aram to attack Jerusalem. Thankfully, the attack was unsuccessful and it's just sort of sputtered out. Uh, their attempts to come against and overtake Judah, it just, it just it sort of sputtered out, but still it affected them. It, it affected them and, and it caused them to be very afraid. And this is where the prophet Isaiah comes in and tells them that because of their fear that the, the people of Judah, including King Ahaz, they shook like trees. I mean, this was pretty, pretty astounding uh, what they had been through and the trauma that it took on them. God saw that the grip uh, of fear that, that was on King Ahaz and, and all of Judah. And so he sends Isaiah to go and bring his word to them, a message. And if you read in the beginning of Isaiah 7, we're, gonna, we're not going to look at this passage, but you can go back and look at it and get it word for word. Let me give you an overview. Basically, God sends Isaiah to King Ahaz and to Judah with this message. Listen, calm down. Don't be afraid. Don't panic about all that Aram and Israel has tried to do to you because their plans and the plans that they have for the future to come against you. Uh, God says to them, your, their plans will come to nothing. So don't be afraid. Don't panic. Listen, calm down. But then he goes on at the end of this section. He says, you've got to believe me. God speaking this through Isaiah. You've got to stand in faith. You've got to believe me. You've got to take me at my word because if you don't, you won't have a leg to stand on. You're not going to make it through this if you don't trust me and if you don't believe in me and act on that trust. And so this is what we find at the beginning of Isaiah 7 to give you a little uh, framework for what we're going to be looking at specifically in Isaiah 7 verses 10 through 16, the passage that we're focusing on this morning. So if you want to turn there with me, the passage is also going to be on the screen. And this is what God says. Uh, again, the Lord spoke to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And then Isaiah said, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. And I'm so thankful that we have a God who doesn't say, you know what, as soon as you take care of getting rid of the fear and all of the distraction that seems to, to have your focus, then I'll come and I'll meet you. No, that's not the kind of God that we have. Our God comes to us even in the midst of our fear. He meets us where we are and he invites us to trust him, to turn to him, to look to him. And I want us to consider this morning some very real and some very practical ways that we can bring our fear 
And let's face it, as we look at our country, as we look at the world, there is collective fear that is palpable. Anxiety, stress, trauma, it's real, it's palpable. But I also know it's not just a collective fear. There is also individual fear that many of us find ourselves walking in and living in and being overwhelmed by. Whichever you're experiencing this morning, I just want to remind you that our God comes to us in love. He is love. He is perfect love. And he wants to meet us in the midst of our fear and and make this great exchange. What are some of the ways that we can practically do that? We can exchange fear for God's love when we simply trust him to do what he says he will do. Now, I got to say, simply trust him. That's, 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 uh, that's, that's a mouthful, right? Simply trust him. It's true, but I, I received Christ as an 11-year-old kid, and I made the decision then to put my faith in him, in Christ as my Savior and my Lord, to trust him as the forgiver of my sins, to, to give my life to him. And I wish I could say that, you know, that was a one day I trusted God and it's been easy to trust him every day since, but that's just not been the case. Can I be honest with you? Every day is an opportunity. Uh, Every day brings a challenge. God, will I trust you? Will I trust you? And will I trust your ways? Will I trust your ways? Will I trust how you operate Because your ways are so much greater than my ways and your thoughts so much higher than my thoughts. Will I deem to trust your ways? Ah, it's, it's, it's amazing. God is holy and he cannot not be true to his word because of his holiness. One of the things I learned a long time ago and I continue to be reminded of is that we don't get to dictate how God fulfills his word. And we also don't get to dictate when God fulfills his word. But we can know this, in all times, in all seasons, God is perfect, God is loving, God is good. And his ways are perfect. His ways are loving. His ways are good. So this morning, whatever fear that you find yourself contending with and dealing with, I just want to remind you and encourage you in that. Uh, even, even when it doesn't feel like, God, it's hard to trust you. He sees our hearts. He knows that. He honors that. He honors that confession. He honors that. He's like, I, yeah, I, 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 I see your weakness. I know your weakness. And I, I meet you in your weakness. And, I, and, I, and I'm here to exchange. You just offer that confession to me. Receive my love. Receive my love. I'm so thankful that God requires us. He's like, you, you got to trust me in this. And I'm so thankful that this is not something that's just on our own, that everything God requires of me and you, he also provides. But we have to be willing and humble and, and come to him to accept that and to receive that. To receive that, God, I, I, I love the, 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 the old hymn, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust you more. I need that kind of grace to trust God, to trust him at his word, that he will do what he says he will do. And that's why it's so important for us to know God's word, to regularly read God's word, to meditate on it so we know what has God promised me? 
What has God promised me? What what, what has he said that he will do, that he will be for me and he will do for me? That we know that. So we exchange exchange fear for God's love when we trust him to do what he says he's going to do. We also exchange fear for God's love when we give time to reflect on the goodness of God, the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. I hope that in these last couple of weeks of 2021, that you will purposefully take some time to look back on the year. How has God shown up in your life? What has he done? Has he given you direction about something that you were praying about? Has he provided where there did not seem to be any provision at all? Did he bring healing? Did he bring peace in the middle of turmoil? Did he bring uh, a friend when you felt all alone? How has God shown up in your life? I know he has. I know he has shown up in all of our lives. I got to just say sometimes even, I mean, God's been so good to me and my family, so gracious, so kind, so generous in so many countless ways. But there are those moments that I get so insular that I'm completely clueless about the goodness of God. I'm so focused on maybe what I wanted God to do and what he didn't do according to Reese's specs and Reese's expectations. So I just want to challenge you, take some time, get alone, maybe do it with your spouse, just that you're reflecting on how has God shown up in our business this year, in our family relationships, in our marriage, in our physical health, in our finances just to reflect on that and and to give thanks for that, to be mindful of that. Because what we feed grows. It is an intentional step to to set our minds on on the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And, And I hope that you will do that. And I'm so thankful that with God, past performance is a great indicator of future results. And that's why for King Ahaz and Judah, Uh, The attacks of the two kings uh, and their kingdoms, they came to nothing. And they came to nothing, and yet uh, Ahaz and Judah, they're they're shaking in fear. And God comes to them again and says, I just rescued you. I just protected you. I just showed forth my faithfulness to you, and you are still just so fearful. Uh, He did it once. He will do it again. But, but Ahaz and Judah, they had to believe God and take a stand of faith and not cower in fear. Something that's, that's, that's really important to see here as you look at, at this, this message from God through the prophet Isaiah is that God did not condemn Ahaz. He didn't condemn him. But he actually met him in his fear. And what did he do? He told him, said, hey, ask me for a sign. And this is interesting because in other places in Scripture, you, you see where God doesn't like uh, for us to, you know, the, the idea of asking for a sign more often is about putting God in a box. God, I want you to perform this way. I want you to show up this way. I want you to answer my prayer in this way, in this timetable. And no, God will not be controlled by that. And quite frankly, let's face it, guys, do we really want a God that you and me and our and our smallness and weakness and brokenness can control. I mean, really? That's not a good idea. Just let me, if, if nothing, if you get nothing else from my message today, it's not a good idea for us to be in charge. All right? 
I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But here we see that, that he is, he's offering to say, hey, just ask me for a sign. Ask me, test me. Ask me for a sign. I, 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 I want to show forth my faithfulness to you. I want to help you in your place of weakness where you are overwhelmed with fear. And that is good news for Ahaz. That is good news for us today. God wants to meet us. It's not about, okay, you got to get rid of all of your fear and then I'll come in. No, he wants his spirit to come in and displace that fear because fear and love cannot exist. They cannot coexist. And so we open our hearts and our lives to the love of God and allow him to come and to displace the fear in our lives. What does Ahaz do? Ahaz takes this pseudo-spiritual posture of, oh, I would never ask God for a sign. That's just, I wouldn't do that. You can just hear him saying that. It's like, no, you are shaking like a leaf in fear, but yet all of a sudden you've got this spiritual authority and righteousness. Bull, come on, man. God invites him. God invites him to do that. God knowing what we need and what is best for us. He said, you know what, Ahaz? <laughs> I love you and I know what's best for you. I'm going to give you a sign anyway in spite of your pseudo-spirituality. I'm going to give you a sign because you need one. And here it is. I want you to be watching for this. A girl who is a virgin will get pregnant. She'll bear a son and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. You know, last week, Roger did a wonderful job showing us how often prophetic words that God gave to his prophets in the Old Testament had immediate, uh, it was an immediate message for situations and circumstances, but they also looked to the future and had implications of, of many years, even, even decades or centuries ahead. And that is the case with what is going on here as well in God speaking through Isaiah to King Ahaz and to Judah. Uh, here, the Hebrew word uh, for virgin, actually, it can go either way. It can mean a young woman of marrying age or a, a virgin, someone who's never had sexual relations. For King Ahaz, the immediate sense of this word was birth in a kingly line, possibly pointing to the birth of his son who would come, Hezekiah. But ultimately, Ultimately, this prophetic word was part of the great messianic promise that was given that a virgin would give birth to a Messiah, to the Savior. And when Luke references this same passage in his gospel, specifically Luke chapter 1, the word in the Greek clearly and exclusively means the word that we know as virgin, someone who's never had sexual relationship. God Emmanuel was the title given to assure God's participation in bringing about both the deliverance for Judah, but also that would bring forth this amazing uh, miracle of the virgin birth. And so we, we begin with Ahaz, but I also want us to now shift over to the person that God is speaking through Isaiah to Ahaz about, Mary. Uh, and in Luke 1, God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary. You know Mary. You've heard of her before, probably. Uh, she's a young woman. She uh, is engaged to be married to this guy named Joseph. Uh, she has never, um, she's never had sexual relations. 
And I, she's a young virgin. And she has an encounter with an angel named Gabriel. And we find that in Luke chapter 1. This was a very unusual encounter. You get the idea that Mary had not experienced uh, in, encounters with angels before because it was very off-putting for her. Uh, it was troubling for her, Luke writes. And, uh, and apparently her fear was, was very obvious because Gabriel saw in her face fear and encouraged her not to be afraid that the message that he came to bring was really good stuff. It was good for you, Mary, because God is for you and he is with you. And there are some of us that need to hear that today. God is for you, and God is with you. You are not alone. God is for you. God is with you. You may be just as surprised to hear that news as Mary was that day that she encountered Gabriel, the angel Gabriel. And then Gabriel told her God's amazing plan to bring forth a son through her, bring forth the Savior of the world. Again, understandably, Mary had her questions, and she wasn't condemned for her questions. That's one of the reasons we love doing Alpha here at Vineyard Church. You've got people in your life that they, they have questions about who Jesus is and what this faith in Christ is all about and, and we, are, we are a place where we invite people to come with their, their questions, with their concerns. We want to connect people with God's love. We want them to know that our God loves us and he welcomes them, uh, welcomes all of us with our fear, also with our questions. He welcomes us. He doesn't reject us. He, he welcomes us. He says to come, and that's why Alpha is such uh, an incredibly wonderful uh, opportunity to bring people in and allow them to ask their questions and to have conversations. And Angela, you can pay me later for that plug, so all right? <laughs> Mary had her questions, and she wasn't condemned by Gabriel. She wasn't condemned. Gabriel gave Mary great news not just about herself, but also about her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth was much older than Mary. She and her husband, Zechariah, had been trying to have a baby, had been unable to do that. And Gabriel told Mary that Elizabeth was going to have a baby too. And, and, and Mary goes and spends time with Elizabeth. And this is another reason why community is so important for our spiritual growth. Because there are times when it's really obvious what God is doing in our own lives. And there are times when we feel like, God, are you even with me? Are you truly God, Emmanuel? But we see the ways that God's working in, in Chris and Dee's life. And we're in small group with them. Or we're, we're regularly getting together and, and we're praying with Earl and Angela. And, and we're hearing about the cool things that God's doing in their lives and all of a sudden, our faith is encouraged and increased because we see God at work, even though he may not be working right the way we want him to in our immediate situation and circumstances. That is why community is so important. That's one of the big things that we celebrate in our small group ministry here, that we get to, to have those interactions, those conversations, to pray with one another, to share the highs, the lows, and all the in-betweens that, that happen. So 
These are some of the practical ways that we can exchange our fear for the love of God. Another way, we exchange our fear for God's love when we expect him to show up in our everyday life in wonderfully surprising ways. Mary was not expecting an angel to encounter her that day. And I mean, that's, that's, and that's, that's pretty unusual. But let me say this, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all people, all flesh, men, women, young, old, boys, girls, rich, poor. God wants to show up in your life, in your everyday situation, whether you're a teacher, whether you are a beekeeper, whether you are a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mom, a college student, God wants to show up in your life and do cool things. He's already at work at Fort Gordon. He's already at work at Publix. He's already at work at the Y. He's already at work. He invites us to have eyes to see and ears to hear what he is doing because God is with us. He's at work in small and significant ways, but do we expect to encounter him? Do we have expectation to encounter the living God, a God Emmanuel? My prayer is that this posture of Advent, expectation, anticipation would not be something that ends with Christmas Day. But this would be an expectancy that we would take with us through into the new year, into 2022, that we would be expecting and looking for God to show up and trying to to connect with him and partner with the Holy Spirit in whatever ways God is working. I have good days of doing that. I have days where I miss it terribly, probably just like you do. A couple of weeks ago, I went to grill some pork chops only to discover that our LP tank, of course, was empty, right? A fun thing. Pork tartare. Yes, no. (laughs) Didn't do that. But the next day, got my tanks, went to my favorite little hardware store to get my LP tanks filled. And I go there enough that I know most of the people. I've seen most of the people. Some of them I know by name, some I don't. So I, I, I pay. I go in the back where they do the LP tanks. And the guy who's coming out to, to fill the LP tanks, I've seen him around the store a lot, usually a very spry you know, individual, just very active. How can I help you? Just really engaging. But he was having a hard time getting from the back of the store out to the very back where they were, um, had their LP tank refill space. And I noticed that. I was in a hurry. I didn't, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, but I felt like, okay, I got two tanks to get filled. Uh, and, and he also asked me, he said, hey, uh, would you mind actually bringing these over here and putting them on the thing? I'm like, something's very wrong here. Something's very wrong for this guy to do that because he's normally just full of energy and full of vim and vigor and all those things. And I was like, How's, is, are, are you not doing well? And he's like, well, we're trying to figure out what's going on. He said, I have not been feeling well for like two months and it's just more and more and more and more. And he talked, and we shared for, he shared with me for a while, and I just listened, and it's like, wow, you know, can I pray for you? I mean, what else am I going to offer? And I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have any great advice, but it's like, hey, can I, can I pray for you? And he's like, sure. So, you know, right there in the back of in the hardware store, in the back behind it, it's like, come Holy Spirit. Is it all right if I put my hand on your shoulder? Come Holy Spirit, bring your kingdom. Bring your kingdom to the sky. And, and, and I just prayed, and the Lord just come, just 
bring healing. Lord, I pray for this process. He's going through testing. Uh, bring your kingdom. Bring healing. Strengthen him. Let him know you're with him, that you love him. You know, I don't know. I've, I've, got, I've got to go back and check on him. I haven't been back. I've got two tanks filled, so I have need to go back for a while. But uh, I need to go back and check on him. I need to go back and just check in. But that's, that's just... People, guess what? I, I'm going to give you a, a profound prophetic word. Are you guys ready? There are people around every single one of you that are hurting. That's big. That's big. You didn't know that, did you? There are people around you that are hurting. And there are people who need to know the love of God, words of encouragement that God would speak through you and me. Even in the midst of our stuff, even in the midst of our distractions and our fear, he wants to use us and he will. He will. But we got to look for him and join with what he's doing. Um, we exchange fear for God's love when we make room for God to do what only he can do. Mary's question, how can this be? I've never been with a man. This thing you're telling me, I'm going to have a, a child. And, and we've got our own version of this. God says, I want you to do this. I want you to, I want you to invest in, in, in time and energy in this person, or I want you to trust me about this, or I want you to, to follow me into this. And it's like, how can this happen? I can't do this. And God's saying, I didn't ask you to do it by yourself in your own wisdom, in your own strength. As he told as Gabriel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will do this. The Holy Spirit will do this. And the Holy Spirit will do what he is calling you to be and do. He will do that in your heart and in your life, just like he will do it in, in my heart and my life. If, I, if it's dependent on me to accomplish the things, the purposes that God has for me alone, it's not going to happen. But we're talking about the promise of God, Emmanuel. God is with us, not just for the purpose of just being with us, but he is with us to empower us. It's not about just becoming a better person through my own strong will or through my own uh, uh, abilities or discipline. If you're dealing with addiction today or habitual sin or whatever it is, the Holy Spirit wants to bring this work about in my life and in your life. It's about trusting God, drawing near to him, opening our lives to his empowering presence, just as we saw Mary do. We exchange fear for God's love when we're willing to wait patiently in his presence. And in Luke chapter one, you know, the Gabriel shows up, he speaks to, to, uh, to Mary in this really strange encounter they have this dialogue, there are questions, he talks about Elizabeth, and then there's this, this wonderful exchange. You know, obviously there are going to be some pretty big implications about the fact that Mary, this young woman who's not yet married, is pregnant, and that could be the focus of her fear. That could be the thing that she is completely just fixed on. But what does she do? She begins to worship she sings out to the Lord, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
And he goes on, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel Remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She let her focus be on the goodness and the faithfulness of God, even as she had to deal with some of maybe the talk and family and the community and circles about this very unusual, strange thing that was happening there. I love that we see in Mary and Gabriel He tells her, fear not. And we really don't see fear being a part of Mary's story anymore. Now, let's compare that to King Ahaz. Let's go back to Isaiah, the story of the Old Testament. God fulfills his word to King Ahaz and to Judah. But Ahaz, in his his doubt and his lack of willingness to trust God and to take him at his word, uh, in Ahaz's fear, he reaches out to pagan nations, even after God has shown himself faithful and that he follows through and he protects and he does what he says he's going to do, Ahaz reaches out to pagan nations for help. He makes space for their idols and he dies an early death. God demonstrated his goodness to Ahaz. But Ahaz rejected God and he rejected his ways The results were destruction and death for Ahaz. And let's face it, this pattern continues in the world around us, doesn't it? Our God who is loving, who is faithful, who is good, he welcomes us. He meets us where we are. He invites us to come to him just as we are. And he says, because I love you, because I care for you, and because I am good, I want you to go this way. This is the way that I call you to go. It's not out of manipulation. It's not out of control. It's out of the desire that I want want the best for you. I want the best for you. And this way is best. And out of my love, I call you in this direction. Uh, with, With Mary, there's a very, very different outcome that we see compared to that of Ahaz. Her life demonstrates to us that we exchange fear for God's love when we fully surrender to Emmanuel. In the midst of her uncertainty mixed with fear, Mary makes a decision. And I'm sure it wasn't a one and done, like we would all like to to have, just a one and done decision, but I'm sure it was a decision that she had to make on an ongoing basis, a declaration and a prayer to God that, that really makes space for God's love to come in and displace her fear. She says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm your servant. I choose to surrender to your will, to your ways. And I can do that because I know they're good. They're loving. They may not always be easy. They rarely are easy. But God is with us. God is Emmanuel. He is with us. This morning, I just, I I encourage you, receive the love of the Father. 
Receive the love of the Father. I, I, I listed in, in your notes this morning in the program a book that I've mentioned before, and I felt compelled to, to mention it again. It's a wonderful little book that God has really used to just remind me of his love. It's called Surrender to Love. And there's so many good things about it. But the bottom line is this. God, uh, he calls us not to get preoccupied with the world around us. He doesn't even call us to get preoccupied with our own sin and our own weakness. But he calls us to get really preoccupied with his love. Start with his love. Get overwhelmed by the love of the Father. And as we do that, everything else gets in a right perspective. But too often we're fixated on the sin that we have done or the sin that's been done to us. And those things are real. I'm not denying that. But God invites us to to find our identity in his love that we are loved by God. Yeah, stuff comes. You know, this morning, just reminded of the fact that You know, Jesus was born in a stable. He was born in the midst of a lot of dung. And that's where he meets us. Some of the dung we've created, some of the dung have been others. It does. But he meets us there. And he wants to exchange our sin. He wants to exchange our hurt, our our disappointments, our frustrations, our fears for his rich and wonderful love. Would you guys stand with me this morning? Let's pray together. God, you... You're Emmanuel, you are with us, and I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would make your manifest presence very real to every person in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Lord, come and meet us. Lord, we don't have to even pray that. That's just who you are. That's what you do. Thank you for meeting us where we are. And Lord, this morning we bring to you our questions. We bring to you our fear. We bring to you our frustration and anger and disappointment. We bring to you our hurt. And Lord, we just thank you that All you have to give to us is love. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you just pour out your love upon this group of people this morning. In undeniable ways, Lord, let your love just rain down on every heart, every life. Lord, I pray that this would be, this Christmas there would be an experience, a fresh experience of your love, of God, Emmanuel, Come, Holy Spirit, bring your love. Bring your love right now, Lord. I see God just uh, as, we, as we hold out our fears, as we hold out our hurts, that, that he's just taking them out of our hands and he's embracing our hands with his love, with his goodness, with his mercy. And he wants to do that for you this morning. 
If you don't know the love of God, you can know the love of God. You can experience the love of God. It's not about getting your act together. It's about saying, God, I, I'm, 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 I'm hurt. I'm, 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 I'm angry. I'm fearful. And I'm sick of this. And I want to give that to you. And I want to receive your love. I want you to come into my heart and my life. And he will do that. God's word says that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our stuff. I just invite you just to place your trust in Jesus. And if you're viewing online with us this morning, we would love the opportunity to pray with you. You can pray with me right now, but also if you'd like someone to contact you personally, you can just uh, go to vineyardaugusta.org slash prayer. And there's a place where you can get prayer and someone will contact you. We would love to pray for you about anything.